So we all know that social media is the best way to market our business, right? But is anyone else exhausted by all the rules around how to show up perfectly? So my friend Harley Jordan, she's your go-to coach for breaking down the rules and crafting an aligned personal brand on social media. She has a live eight-week coaching program, the Do Less Club, and it'll take you through the actionable, individualized steps to build a natural money-making business on Instagram while calling out any limiting beliefs that are standing in your way. We ain't got time for that. If you are a seasoned creator wishing you had the feedback and support to press fast forward button on your social media progress, the Do Less Club is now open. Head to the show notes for more information and use code HYPE, H-Y-P-E, for 10% off. There was always stuff happening that I was like, shit, like, how do I solve this? And there was lots of Googling. There was lots of crying and calling my dad. There was lots of, you know, talking to my best friends being like, what would you do with this? But so much of it was just like in the moment having to figure it out. And I think I made a lot of mistakes, but yeah, there's not, you don't have like mentors or anyone helping you when you purchase a business like that. It's like me, myself, and I. Welcome friends. We are your hosts, Sandy and Wade, baby best friends turned husband and wife and business partners. This podcast is for the dreamers, the movers and shakers, and those who seek to attract their dream life. Strap in, getting magnetic in three, two, one. Like attracts like. If you see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. You just decide what it's gonna be, who you're gonna be, how you're gonna do it. And then from that point, the universe is gonna get out your way. This moment in time, this is your time to rise. Hello, hello. On today's episode, we're going to dive into my experience being a previous brick and mortar owner, having a physical location of a business. But before we do, we have someone super special in the studio today. Special guest in the studio. This guest is about nine pounds. (laughs) Doesn't talk, sleeps and eats all day. Yeah. Any guesses? Any guesses? <laughs> We've got Cove Golden Critides in the studio. She's on mom's boob right now, like nursing, sleeping, looking cute as all heck. And this is her first podcast outside of the belly. She had a bunch in the belly, but we also pre-recorded everything up until this week, the last like month or two before Cove came, strategically, obviously. Um, and now here we are recording live again and Cove is here with us and it's just super special. She's five weeks old today. Mama's starting to feel ready to like start dipping my toes back into some things. And so we thought, let's have her join us. So if you hear little coos or little sounds in the background, it's not my stomach, it's Cove. We won't, we won't go through like the in depth. Maybe that'll be one month, like kind of birth and postpartum and everything. But what's, you know, what's the first five weeks been like? Amazing. I love her. Yeah. She's the best. A lot of bonding. We were surprised at birth with her gender and we now have another girl. So we're a girl family, two little girls. Yeah. Um, my birth was so redemptive and amazing. Huh, Kobe? We did it together. Yeah. And very powerful. Just my overall healing and mental health and everything. I just feel so good. I know a lot of people have been asking me yeah. on Instagram, so it's good. Maybe if they hear this, they're like, oh, I hear Sandy's voice. And- yes, I'm happy. So anyway, let's dive into today's. So the whole theme of July has been on entrepreneurship, and 
well, actually reversing. In June, we talked about like the power of network marketing and what we do as um, network marketers. And we interviewed some people and um, you got to see the behind the scenes of the type of support and coaching and mentorship and stuff that you get when you partner with us in business. And then July, we pivoted into the different types of entrepreneurship that we've been into in. So we kicked off episode one with kind of building an Amazon business and what we did with our previous company, 90 Day Habits. And then episode two, we dove more into brand building and having a podcast, yeah, right? Yep. And then today we're going to talk about brick and mortar ownership. So you, you can see this is kind of all over the place. It's not necessarily in any chronological order. We're just sharing with you all the different types of experiences we've had as business owners and entrepreneurs and kind of the pros and cons and the learning lessons and some funny stories and yeah. stuff like that. So that's our goal. You guys to learn from us, from our experiences and like decide, Ooh, like maybe I want to open up a health and wellness brick and mortar or, Ooh, I heard Tanya's experience. Maybe not. Or just share our experiences, our wins, our losses, and overall to like understand we love being entrepreneurs, but like kind of the journey and the different types we've done. And this, this is really where it started for, for us, but you know, for you and yeah. in entrepreneurship. Yeah. So this was actually the first entrepreneurship. Besides our lemonade first, stands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lemonade stands, babysitting club. Rap CDs. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. We had all kinds of stuff in our adolescence, but um, when I was 23 years old, so man, that was 11 years ago now. I, if you guys have been following for a while, you remember the story, but that was like a really pivotal point in my life. I was working at the Ritz Carlton. So I was working a corporate job nine to five and I had just lost my mom. And so I was going through like this really hard transition of my life and really confused about my purpose and just feeling like, dang, like I'm not meant to be an employee. Like I want to branch out and do something on my own. And so with the help of my dad, he loaned me money and I purchased a franchise. So I purchased a location of a smoothie juice bar franchise and it had been there for years. And so I just kind of took it over and it was in a town called San Clemente, California. It wasn't too far from where we live. And I think when I got it, there was like 85 stores with the brand like nationwide mm -hmm. and we were ranked like the 80th store like yeah. we were not doing well with sales like the store had kind of been neglected which means opportunity though yes. you probably got it at a lower cost than if you bought a top 10 you know i did i bought it for a hundred and ten thousand dollars and then there was like thirty eight thousand dollars in like you know franchise fees and fees you know and permits and stuff to the city and blah 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 so all in just under 150 grand as a 23-year-old to purchase this business, which honestly is really good for a brick and mortar. Like typically you cannot find a brick and mortar under 250. Yeah, I think the average is is at least 250. So I was like, I was okay, it's been it here for 10 years. It's across the street from a high school. We're in sunny Southern California and it's a smoothie juice bar. People love health, people love smoothies. Like this is a great opportunity. So I bought that store. And I kind of went into it pretty naive. I think I thought like, oh, I'll pop in every day, but like I'm going to have so much freedom. I'm not going to have a boss. No one's going to tell me what to do. Like I'll be able to like, like, yeah, I'll work on weekends and like pop in and like do things, but I'll be able to have freedom like every day. And little did I know 
Like, I honestly think you work harder as an entrepreneur than you do as an employee. I, I honestly probably worked like 80 plus hour weeks. And no one oh, cares you about you. Definitely your... work harder as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Unless you have a failing business and you just don't work. But yeah. yeah pe- you know, no one cares about your business as much as you do as Mm-mm. the owner. So I just found myself like spending so much time and energy and mental energy just like thinking about how to improve the business and whatnot. So anyway, my I started going into the process of buying the business around, I want to say it was like April of 2013. And it officially closed in November. So it took a long time to buy it. I remember that. Like, yeah. There was months and months and months of me being like just Legal waiting for paperwork and, yeah, and purchase agreement. It wasn't just turnkey, like start a business. Brokers and yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, I started my business and we're in business. Like I started today. Yeah. No, it took mo- like six months to mm-hmm. get it up and running. And before then, didn't you go through a lot of strengths finders and certain things to see like what type of business and all this stuff? So there was like a six plus month lead up to buying it even before you even started right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i hired a franchise consultant didn't even know that that existed and this guy would i did different like questionnaires and tests and you know personality blah 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 yeah strength finders type thing and he helped me narrow down like what type of business would be smart for me to invest in and so that's kind of how i landed on a juice bar so, so yeah you get that's in day how it started. one and mm-hmm. you're like oh i'll pop in and out and like what was your experience like right away so right away there was 13 employees and they all looked at me as like who the hell are you like what do you think you're doing were some older than you um none of them were older than me but they were some of them had been there for two three years yeah. so they knew the shop they knew everything mm-hmm. and i'm coming in like okay, we're going to start doing this and this and that. And they're like, no, like you need to understand like the flow and blah, blah, blah. So there was definitely a lot of like turmoil in the beginning. And I remember the previous owner actually had like a, like going away party, like saying goodbye to her staff and didn't invite me. And it was like super weird because they were all talking about it the next day. And like I overheard and I was like, oh, you guys had like a get together with Melissa. And they're like, oops, like she didn't want us to tell you. And I was like, this is weird. Like the whole vibe and energy (laughs) was like an awkward transition. And I quickly realized like, wow, when you take over an existing business, you almost need to like interview everyone individually and have them officially off the payroll and then rehire them if they're a fit for you Mm. versus just taking everyone that's existing on and then you be the new kid on the block and feel like, Okay, this is awkward. It's like an existing business with existing DNA and culture and all the things and like, yeah, coming in and trying to change that. I So you're saying when you start a business, like there were hurdles? What? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it was rough and just learning so many things. Like I felt like for the four years that I owned it, I was just learning every single day mm-hmm. and always like pivoting and being like problem solver to the max. Like there was always stuff happening that I was like, shit, like how do I solve this? And there was lots of Googling. There was lots of crying and calling my dad. There was lots of, you know, talking to my best friends being like, what would you do with this? But so much of it was just like in the moment having to figure it out. And I think I made a lot of mistakes, but yeah, there's not, you don't have like mentors or anyone helping you when you purchase a business like that. It's like me, myself and I, you kind of have to figure it out on your own. I think I thought with a franchise, I'd get like a ton of support. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're there if you have like a question about something, but they weren't super helpful. They're happy to take 8% royalties every month of what yeah. you make, but they're not really there to mentor you or coach you. So you, you owned it for four years and, you know, I got the privilege of watching kind of from afar and on Instagram and talking to you during it and like from a distance, like it looks so sexy, right? But you, you, you did it for four years. Let's first start with like, yeah, what did you gain from that experience? What were the benefits? What were the highs or the wins or like the, the positive outcomes of, of you having owned that shop for four years? I feel like the first thing was like leadership because mm-hmm. I had to learn like an ownership of like, okay, I have to own that. If the, things go great, awesome. That's on me. If things go south, that's also on me. So taking a hundred percent responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And like, I even saw, you know, cause I was working in finance as a employee and I saw, and I'm like, wow, she's, I went to business school and I learned about business and financial statements and all the things, but like Sandy was actually boots on the ground, like running a business, having to run operations, having to manage employees, having to do some level of budgeting or forecasting, having to manage inventory, having to, you know, make client relations and bring in new customers and all the things like you were actually doing it versus I had done it in business school, Mm -hmm. like on paper or in a classroom or done a project and whatever. And I'm like, she's actually, she's actually learning business in the business world. And I thought that was so cool. And like, then when we would talk, I realized you did have a lot of business knowledge and experience because you were doing it, which is the best you know way to learn, right. By actually doing it. And, and you know, the, the wins, the failures, the everything in between. So I, th- I feel like it really equipped you just looking back in business and in leadership and in also understanding, gosh, maybe this isn't something I want to do forever. So let's also talk about, talk to me about some of the failures or losses or stories, like go, go into Sandy mode, like story mode, like what were some of the crazy things that happened? There were so many. <laughs> um, I will say first thing, like one of my first priorities when I, when I came in there was like, okay, I am coming into this place as this like young 23 year old, like I need to like make myself known in the community. And so pretty much right away, I joined the chamber of commerce and I joined BNI business networking international. It's a great networking group, like literally internationally anywhere you can, anyone can join for any type of industry. Um, and it's not like I joined that of like, Oh, I want people to walk in and buy a smoothie from my shop. No, I wanted to build relationships with people in the community and with people that had kids in schools or that, you know, were, um, the at school PTA, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. PTA presidents and stuff like that, where when people, ha- you know, were hosting a track meet at their kids high school and there's going to be 1500 kids, they'd think, Ooh, we want Sandy to cater. So my mindset was more around like catering opportunities and big connections for like swim meets, track meets, um, you know, setting up for after school, um, at elementary schools, like stuff like that. So essentially I'd have two stores, if you will, right? Like I'd have my actual physical store, but then every day we could be, um, having events and outside opportunities where we're also, you know, serving the community, selling products, stuff like that. So pretty much right away, like I hit the ground running with networking, like, and this was also when Wade and I were doing long distance, like Boston to California. So three hour time difference, like I would wake up at like four every day. 
our shop opened at five, but knowing like, oh, that's seven for Wade. He's heading into work. That's my time to talk to him. So this season of life, like I was, you know, waking up early every day, usually at my shop around like five or six. And, um, then like busy in the store, but also like busy in the community at these events, um, getting to know people, like literally going to schools, going to different clubs, going to different churches, going to different things, introducing myself, dropping off my card, like letting people know who I am. Like, so there was so much of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was, I had no idea what I was doing. That was just me being like, okay, people have choices when they decide like, oh, Fridays I buy lunch for the whole office. I want them to buy my stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So I was just like constantly showing up to businesses, um, doing a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's maybe the biggest thing when you start a business is just like get yourself out there into the community, especially if it's a local business. Like mm -hmm. you got to get out into the community. That's why people buy from you. It's more, they more, I think, buy from the owner than from the store, the products. Mm -hmm. And so that was huge. And I remember I would see, you know, I'd be at my desk and I'd look at Sandy on Instagram and she might be at the pool or the beach on a Wednesday at like 1 p.m. And I'd be like, what? I'm at, a, I'm at my desk. And so I would have this like envy almost like, man, the entrepreneurship life is awesome. But little did I know behind the scenes, there'd be like the POS system would break and you'd be there on a Saturday night or like, tell us about some of the horror stories, like the POS system, the freezer stopping working, managing employees, theft, all sorts of things. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff, stuff I never would have guessed. Um, first of all, working with people can be really hard, like having employees and especially in that type of setting, like the majority of my employees were high school age kids. So they're, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. They don't really care about yeah. their job. Um, their parents are making them work or whatever. And so they may or may not show up to their shifts. Um, they may switch shifts with someone else without getting permission and then they never confirmed it. So then no one shows up to work, all types of like <laughs> things like that. So there was a lot of stuff on the employee side of like, um, you know, hiring people, having to paper everything. Like I ended up hiring this, like I obviously didn't have an HR department. So I ended up hiring this woman that did HR for small businesses. And she made me an employee handbook. It was like a 120 page employee handbook that had like rules and this and that. And, um, I had to have like employee meetings and like break it down. Like, okay, if you are late to work, like these are the penalties, like no one made those rules. I mm -hmm. had to make those. So, um, you're almost like managing people and yes. young people at that yes. type of business that like just literally do not care. Yeah. yeah. And course. I think back, like when I had jobs in high school, like, yeah, I didn't really care. I, I wasn't being destructive to the business, but like I was there to do my job, get my paycheck, do the bare minimum. Like, you know, I was, you know, you're immature at that stage. If you find someone who's responsible and mature, it's like a diamond in the rough and you're like, whoa, yeah. I got to keep this person. I did have a couple. Shout out to Dom. Dom. Dominique. She's still a friend of mine. She was so responsible and was my store manager and ran the store for a couple of years. Right. But and that's when they get promoted, right? When mm -hmm. you see responsibility, when you see people taking action. I think one of my biggest things, like looking back now being an entrepreneur, looking back on my employee career was like, wow, I wish I thought like an owner or an mm -hmm. entrepreneur more because you're just more proactive. How can I improve the business? How can I add more value instead of just day in, day out? Like, I know my job. I know how to do it. I know what to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do enough to like get a raise or maybe promoted, but I'm not going to go above and beyond. That's just kind of like 
the typical employee mindset. And this is in like, I'm talking in the finance world and making a good income, let alone, you know, being in high school. But when you, I think when you start to think like an owner entrepreneur as an employee, you, you really start to excel and move up and promote and all the things. Yeah. You have to look at things as like, okay, this is attached to my reputation. So like, how do I want everything to run you know like I would be obsessive about like crumbs on the floor or like fingerprints on the windows or things like that because I'm like that's like so easily overlooked but that is a reflection of like if that's what it looks like on the outside like what's going on behind the scenes so there was just like so many little things like truly when you are the owner you're everything from like the president to the janitor yeah. like there were oh there were many times that I would clean the toilet like because I'm like no one does it like me like literally no one does it like me <laughs> luckily it wasn't a public toilet it was only for us like employees but still um after the ginger you know immunity shot oh, oh yeah man, oh, the turmeric cayenne <laughs> cleaning the toilet after that one um but yeah so a lot of my like nightmares honestly stemmed from the vendors that we worked with. So like we had to do inventory a couple times a week. Um, man, I learned to get really good at that. But the first few months I sucked at inventory. Like I was like, uh, like eyeballing, like we probably need about this or that. There'd be times when I'd order way too much of stuff and it would rot. Or there'd be times when we'd run out and there'd be a line out the door and I don't have strawberries. And literally like strawberries are like the most like ordered thing. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, like, what am I going to do? So learning that and learning like, and getting really good at like looking at the weather and looking at like knowing like, oh, I have to know the school schedule. Oh, it's summer break or it's winter break or it's spring break or they have a camp this week. Um, I had to know like every event happening like nearby because that would affect the inflow and inventory. So there was so many like outside factors that you wouldn't think of. But yeah, with with the vendors, they'd give you like windows of dropping off stuff um, and they often were like late or they would promise that you'd, you know, get something and you wouldn't find out until they showed up that they actually didn't have it. Um, so kind of always like putting you in this emergency problem mindset. solving. Yes. Yeah. Like, Oh shit, they didn't have it. Okay. I'm going to run down to Costco and get this, this and that. And just always in like panic mode. You become an elite problem solver yes. as an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's just an exercise you get a muscle you exercise daily within entrepreneurship. Yeah. So there was lots of that. Um, one of the worst memories, but best memories. Cause it was like this pivotal thing. Uh, we had one POS system, one point of sale, right? Like the computer where you process credit cards and everything. And I remember it was a Friday afternoon. It was like hot, like June, like coming into graduation and, um, graduation time for the seniors. And like I said, we were across the street from the high school. And so we, we did, um, senior night, which was like this big deal. Like, you know, there's like 800 seniors graduating and they had us, I think we did acai bowls, which those are not easy to like prepare for 800 people mm, like wow. beforehand. Yeah. So it would take like, like my sister Tanya and I would literally get there at 4 a.m. before like anyone even was there. And we would start like grinding them out, like making them and like, wow. and like stack the and freezer. And then you have to like keep them, yeah, in the fridge or freezer temp, like Yeah, controlled. and then there's times when I'm like, shit, my freezer isn't big enough to accommodate the inventory that's about to get dropped off, plus all the stuff that needs to stay frozen. Then I'd be hitting up the Albertsons grocery store next door. And I'm like, hey, Luke, he was the general manager. I'm like, hey, I know you have a huge freezer. Like, 
I owe you one. You can get free juice for like a month. Um, can I use your freezer? And we'd be lugging stuff over to the grocery store mm-hmm. stuff. Like always just like, wow, like Figuring how do you think out. this shit yeah. through? But no, one of one of those stories was um, it was a Friday afternoon, hot day. Um, it's that night is like the senior whatever big acai drop off for their Farewell. graduation yeah. night. And um the POS system starts like acting up and there's literally a line out the door and I didn't know what to do and I didn't have a backup way. So we literally started like you push the button on the receipt thing and it like prints out white paper and we started writing their first and last name and their credit card information and being like, oh, we're going to run these later. My God. I didn't know what to do. I was like, no, just in cash only or no, n- n- I didn't have enough change to do that. So, <sighs> so I'm like, okay, so wow. we're literally, and then that's gambling. Like, is this, is this a correct card? Yeah. What if we write down the wrong number? Blah, blah, blah. So there was only like four hours of that till we closed. So we had a stack of like, I don't know, maybe 80 or 100 little white receipt slips with people's credit card that we needed to run for anywhere from like $5 to like $10. So it's like, this is so much work for like <laughs> yeah. a small amount of money, but it does add up, right? Well, that night, sure enough, the POS system like crashes. Like I can still see it. It was like, and it went black. And I was like, what the hell? And so I'm like frantically Googling like, oh my God, this is going to be a huge, like just weekend and everything. Um, so I'm Googling like where to get this POS system. And I found one in Irvine. I still remember it was like 30 minute drive away. It was over $2,500. Like I was like, okay, that's going to be like my pay for this entire month. But like we have to have a POS system. So I remember calling them and they're like, I think they closed at like 7 p.m. on Friday and then they didn't open. They were also closed on like they're closed on the weekends. So they wouldn't have opened till Monday. So I'm like, I literally have to like get on the speed freeway and speed there like immediately. So I'm speeding to Irvine. I go buy this thing on a credit card because I can't afford to like, you know, pay for this right now. I buy the POS system. I come back to the store. And because that day was just such chaos, like the place was a mess, like there was just so much stuff going on. So like my closers were there much, much later than they were supposed to be trying to process all these orders. We can't, you know, finalize with the bank that day, like what our end of day sales were because this is things broken and we're supposed to report everything to corporate and I can't because this thing's broke. So it's just like all these nightmares. So I remember that night calling my dad and I'm like, dad, I don't know what to do. Like, can you come help me like set up? And my dad's not a very handy person. <laughs> I'm not either. Um, I'm like, can you help me set this up? He's like, babe, I don't know how to do that. Like you're a business owner. You got to figure it out. I remember that night, like this was back when Snapchat was a thing. My phone was blowing up like Snapchats. Like all my friends are like at bars and like, who's the DD tonight? And, like <laughs> drinking and like having fun. And I'm underneath like where this orange juice machine typically is because I'm trying to get like to these cords. There's like 17 (sighs) cords that go to this POS system and I'm like Googling it and it's, I was doing it for hours. Like I probably started around like 8 PM. It was after midnight at one point and I'm still working on this. And there are multiple times when I'm like, okay, I'm starting fresh. I'm starting fresh. I would take everything off the counter. I'd wipe it all down. I'd look at all the cords and then be like, okay, let me read this manual one more time. First things first, let me put this thing on the counter. Okay, let me plug the main power source in. Okay, let me do this. Let me do this. 
I finally somehow got it by like 1 a.m. and it wow. worked and it was like one of the best feelings ever. I was like, I can do anything. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, but like that was the type of shit as a 23-year-old that I'm doing as my friends are living their best life and it's a Friday night at 1 a.m. and I'm crying, trying to install a POS system and now in $2,500 worth of debt for this thing. That is an <laughs> incredible story and it, it totally reminds me Something I've been thinking about recently is like entrepreneurship looks so cool on the surface and on Instagram, right? But behind the scenes, you hear stories like this and how basically you're a paid problem solver. And these the horror stories like, wow, okay, you I saw you at the pool Wednesday at one, but Saturday night or Friday night at 1 a.m. you're finishing fixing the POS system while all your friends are out drinking. Yeah, it's like no days off. Like yeah. you, you technically have full freedom. Things will go to shit if you don't. Like I could not come to work. And the place would be a mess. Things would be just all over the place. Like, no, I felt this responsibility, this deep, like, anxiety about needing to be there, like, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I love it. One time we got a $9,000, like, massive shipment of produce and frozen uh, no, it wasn't produce. It was frozen fruit for a big catering track meet that we had. And a newer employee did not fully shut the walk-in freezer oh. overnight when they closed the shop, it was open like an inch and everything melted. So oh. I came in the next morning and like the boxes of like frozen strawberries and frozen bananas were like oozing out like, like sticky juices mm. everywhere. Could you use any of it or no? No, like it's not salvageable. Like the fridge, I mean the freezer was like 50 degrees. Like Damn. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, so did you just lose 9000 Or is there insurance or what? No, there wasn't insurance. I honestly don't, like, I've blocked a lot of this stuff out. I just remember crying about it and being like, well, we have a catering order tomorrow and putting in another order and blah, blah, blah. And, like, somehow figuring it yeah. out. But, like, yeah, that was on me. Yeah. And things like that where I'm like, this sucks. Like, or I remember noticing, like, man, I've gotten, you know, it's been a couple of years. I've gotten really good at inventory. We go through so many Samazon acai packets, but according to the POS system, we're only selling this amount. There's something off. Like there's like 20 to 30 per week and we would use two acai packets per acai bowl. So there was like 60 acai packets a week that weren't accounted for that. I was like, that's a lot of money. Like what is going on? So I, I was like kind of studying it for like weeks and trying to figure out like, where is this going? Am I doing the math wrong? And I start noticing that several of my employees are trading Pizza Hut pizza with the Pizza Hut next door in exchange. Those employees are switching pizza for acai bowls. So I'm like, okay, that's stealing. So I had to have like a conversation with these employees and be like, hey, that's awesome. You're getting free lunch, but it's not free because you're exchanging it for the product that I'm buying for the store. Like you can't do that. That's stealing. They didn't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Like Just so many things managing like that. teenagers. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, are you like, what is wrong? And it all comes at your expense too, which is yes. another thing. Talk to us a little bit about like some months you might be able to pay yourself and be like, wow, we made a good amount. And then other months, like you'd be in the hole and like, couldn't pay yourself for like the 80 hour weeks you're putting in for mm -hmm. a whole month, like hundreds of hours of work and you are not getting paid. I remember the biggest month we ever did was $54,000 in sales and our expenses were only like 18. Wow. So I was like, 
I am rich. I am rich, motherfucker. Uh, no one else my age is making this type of money. But then I wasn't like taking into a factor like, oh, it's August. Like we're about to go cash into like. Flows, yeah. Yeah, we're about to go into winter mm-hmm. and people don't want smoothies and acai bowls in the winter. <laughs> so then there'd be months when, you know, we're doing around 20000 in sales for the whole month. And that's like pretty much what my expenses are. And you have one emergency, like a POS system breaking or product melting or whatever. And like, I don't get paid. Mm -hmm. So think about that too. Like, yeah, one month you might make 30 grand and you're like, I am rich. Like, this is amazing. And then one month you might be like, not only did I work 60, 70, 80 hour weeks, but I literally did not pay myself a dime. Mm -hmm. So I worked, let's say 70 hour weeks on average times for 280 hours this month and I got paid zero dollars and beyond that if the POS system broke I'm actually down 2500 mm-hmm. and that's like the risk and the ebbs and flows in you know brick and mortar entrepreneurship especially seasonal and um, there were so many like so there's I'm telling you guys stories about like in those four walls right but then there's so many things outside of it like dealing with like all the permits with the city, dealing with the landlord, negotiating the lease, dealing with like insurance, um, dealing with, uh, I used a company called Hot Schedules, which is what I used to create the schedule every week. I mean, think about it. I'm open seven days a week, 14 hours a day. There's certain hours of the day that have more heavy inflow. Had to really learn like how to create schedules. Um, I had to work with a payroll company and figure out, okay, how do I pay everyone? And I'm not going to lie. There were a few times when it was payday and I'm like, shit, payday's tomorrow morning and I don't have enough in the account to for everyone to get paid. So I have to pull from my personal savings and transfer that in so that everyone can get paid so I don't default. Like, Imagine, yeah, like $20,000 a month you're responsible for to pay inventory and salaries or uh, you know wages and stuff like that. Like that's overhead is a big part of brick and mortar business. It's like, whoa we have to make 20,000, we have to bring in 20,000 just to like break even. Mm -hmm. That's like a big stress. And then dealing with the public too, like Yelp was a big deal. People would write Yelp reviews. I remember like teaching employees how to like assemble these machines too, right? Like, like the blenders and stuff like that. One time I had an employee that didn't assemble the Vitamix machine, like perfectly, like put the the blade back in right and made a smoothie. And I ended up getting a Yelp review that said, um, this is the worst place ever. Like, don't ever go here. Uh, I had to go to a doctor's to get my esophagus checked because there was pieces of metal in my smoothie. Oh my goodness. Because an employee blended part of the blade. Oh my gosh. In someone's smoothie and they drank part of it. I could have like lost first of all, this person could have like died from that and I could have like lost everything from that person's mistake. Yeah. So I mean I could literally talk for hours about the types of stories, but you get the point. It this was high stress. Like this was nothing about this was like cushy, like chill. Yeah. No. Like it was extremely stressful on all types of but, levels. Uh, I also want to point out like you were passionate and you were in there and working it and like boots on the ground and you brought it from like the 80th out of 85th mm-hmm. to what? Like the fifth or something? Or top yeah, we were five? like a top 10 store. Top mm-hmm. 10 store. So that is like huge. That's a huge accomplishment. I know you got published in articles and recognized as like a young entrepreneur. I actually found it the other day when I was cleaning you know, I've been in a, like a cleaning mode lately. Mm-hmm. I found it's framed. It's like youngest, what does it say? Like youngest entrepreneur in 
brick and mortar entrepreneur in San Clemente or something. And it's like a picture of me in the, in the newspaper holding the surfboard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember and that. Yeah. So like, no, there was definitely amazing moments about it. And, um, corporate did recognize me a lot and would have me speak at like their conferences and stuff to educate other franchisees on things that I was doing, like with schools and catering and, um, you know, like these innovative ideas that I had that other owners maybe weren't necessarily doing. Um, so there were so many amazing learning lessons in it, but like reflecting back on it, I cannot believe that I did it. Mm -hmm. Like as a 23 year old, I'm like, wow, like I had no idea what I was doing Yeah, and I just made it work. I think that, and that's what I see from the outside looking in is like your biggest benefit. Like you made some money along the way. You were able to sell it for more than you bought it for. Yes. So you built some equity in the business because you improved the operations, improved the profitability and are able to sell it for more. But more than that, it's like the learning experience, mm -hmm. like the, the, how it molded you as a business woman, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a problem solver, like is invaluable. Oh, totally. <laughs> so looking back, even though it was super stressful, like you, you learned so much from it and like your business sense is much better off yeah. like from that experience. I don't want to say never because never is such a strong word, but I want to say I never think I'd ever have a brick and mortar again. Yeah. Like just the stress of it. And like, even after I sold it, um, my dad was on the lease with me as like a, what's it called? Like a leasey or a guarantor. Yeah. And he was still, cause I sold it a year into a five-year lease. So my dad was still on it as a guarantor for four for years. Four years. Yeah, wow. And he always was like waiting for that date, the four years to go by just yeah. to have the peace of mind. Cause like, what if the next owner was going to default on rent or something? And mm -hmm. that was going to come back on on my dad, you know, I'm going to have to hire you as a consultant when <laughs> in my forties or fifties, when my best friend Obi and I open up the nitro lounge, oh. it's going to be nitro cold brew and nitro espresso martinis. It's going to be like a lounge, maybe membership kind of VIP experience. Okay. So we'll bring you on as a paid consultant. I feel like we should us. own the building. That's like the first thing oh that's my coming gosh, up to genius. me. Yes, definitely. Like we can't deal. One of we my biggest, I didn't even get into this dealing with that landlord <laughs> and it, like I still remember her name was Delta. Mm. Um, she was nice, but man, anytime I saw her name come up on my phone, I was like, okay, Oh, here goes here Delta. Yeah. Um, like just, that's just like an extra thing you don't want to deal with, you know? So anyway, yeah, it's something that like, I have so much respect for people that have brick and mortars and some people love it. Like they rock it out. And I think, you know, if you have multiple locations, if you have five, 10, 15, 20, of a franchise or of a certain, you know, business, like you can make decent money in it, but it's just not for me. Like knowing what I know now, and now that we're in e-commerce business, I'm like, literally when I learned about what we do, I was like, wait, why doesn't every entrepreneur <laughs> do this? Like it costs $99 to start this business. I can start it within a minute of clicking online. I don't have any inventory. I don't have any overhead. I don't have employees. I don't have to deal with the city or permits or logistics or nightmares. There's no emergencies in what we do. Like I was like, why doesn't everyone do this? Like, so I came from it from such a place Different of deep gratitude yeah. because I'm like, this is how the type of business I want to do. And I also really loved, you know, with having a physical location, people weren't going to drive more than five, maybe 10 miles to come support my business. And with e-commerce, there's no geographical territories. So it doesn't matter 
like where someone lives, they can support my business. They can Mm -hmm. benefit from our products or our service. So when I wrapped my head around that too, I was like, wow, I was confining myself to this 813 square foot space and had hundreds of thousands of dollars and tens of, you know, overall and tens and thousands of month overhead, like all wrapped up, like for what, when I could have this other type of opportunity, but I just didn't know. You didn't know. And you know, we all go through a path and you needed to go through that because then you brought in the perspective and the mindset and the problem solving abilities and the entrepreneurial spirit into our, you know, our next business and our our turnkey entrepreneurship business and e-commerce. And I think it helped you thrive in it. So I think, you know, everything happens for us. Right. And so amazing. I love, I love recapping and reminiscing on that chapter is just such a growth and, and special part of your life and definitely hard and stressful, but it's helped you appreciate and become the entrepreneur you are and appreciate what we do now. And I think, to wrap it up in the C block, is there anything else you want to add for this episode? I have so many thoughts, but I'm like, it's all just sidebar stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's just funny. Okay. If there's any funny stories, you can definitely share them. <laughs> no. um, I think, you know, for the C block, entrepreneurship, and I kind of mentioned this, and this is what it looked like for me as an employee. It seems it's so cool, right? Especially this day and age with Instagram. And what I've realized, even just being a, a young entrepreneur only years in, maybe almost five years in, is it can be cool. But what starts out is like, you think it's so cool, but in the beginning, you actually have to sacrifice being cool. You sacrifice social capital because you sacrifice, like Sandy was saying, on Saturday night, she's fixing the Friday night, fixing the POS system while her friends are going out. You go out and you party less and you do cool stuff probably a little bit less because you're building your business. You're building something. It takes time, commitment, and energy. You also sacrifice social capital in the sense that, you know, you've been doing something on a path your whole life and then all of a sudden you're an entrepreneur. And so your friends and your peers and people around you knew you as this you know, person, and now you're doing this entrepreneurship and you're growing and it's different and they don't fully understand it. So you might sacrifice some of your relationships and, and you also have to put yourself out there, which is cool, but really it doesn't feel cool. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel vulnerable. I have to put myself out there. I'm getting judged. I'm getting criticized, all these things. But if you stick with it and you're willing to give up, you know, short term or in the beginning, cool factor or social capital, and you stay consistent with it and you keep building it, it can become really, really cool. And it can give you and grant you a lifestyle that is really cool where you do get to kind of design your days. You do get to travel the world if you'd like. You do get to give back. You do get to do what you want. You do get to be kind of a lifestyle entrepreneur if that's a vehicle you're in. So I think for entrepreneurs out there or aspiring entrepreneurs, it's you do have to sacrifice cool and social and social capital in the beginning but in the long run, it can provide you with this just beautiful lifestyle. And Cove has been asleep in my arms the whole time. And now she's like kind of waking up. She's so cute. But I just thought of got. one more story. All right, hit it. Okay. Well, I it's funny. Like I have blocked this stuff out like to protect me, I yeah. think. <laughs> I remember I was at Stagecoach one time. And Stagecoach is a big like country music festival. 
oh, baby. Hi, And Kobe. I had told my employees, like, okay, I am not coming in for these three days, which was probably a mistake. I shouldn't have told them that. But I was like, I'm not coming in for these three days. So I, like, overscheduled people because I wanted to, like, really make sure we were covered because yeah. I wasn't going to be there. And then I come back from Stagecoach and – like you're exhausted. Like it's full on for days and definitely there was too much drinking going on. So like hungover, like, you know, you come home from a weekend like that, like blah, 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 whatever. Well then I remember <laughs> this is like two days back to back. Um, <laughs> looking at the cameras, which I had an app on my phone and seeing that there was one employee in the entire store and there was a line out the door wrapped around the building. And I was like, okay, I can't sit here at home, like just got home and unpacked and know that that's going on. So like, I'm like hungover and whatever. And I'm like, fresh I don't off care. Stage coach. Yeah. Fresh off stagecoach. I'm like, whatever. And I speed down the freeway and I go down there to help. And I'm like, okay, Andrew, I still remember his name. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So-and-so didn't show up to their shift. Like, this is so stressful on you. You could have called me. I'm glad I caught it on the camera. Like I'll be here to help you for the rest of the night. And I'm like, okay, tomorrow I have my scheduled, um, Molar, my molars taking out, taken oh. out. So I really won't be here tomorrow. I have a surgery, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, like I'm not scheduled to work, but you know, I'm sure it'll be fine, whatever." So I go in the next morning. I get two of my molars pulled out, and I'm on like whatever drug it is. Yeah, and my mouth is like stuffed with cotton. You know, when it's like, yep, yeah, and they're all like bloody. And we opened at six that day, and I checked the cameras at like I don't know. 9 10 or something like that we'd been open for like three hours curtains or whatever blinds still drawn store not open and i had gotten the surgery like early that morning and i was like i fucking have to go i have to go so (laughs) i literally drove to the store and i literally i called andrew that sweet kid from the night before i'm like i'm so tired i know you're not supposed to work today Mm -hmm. like anyway you can come in and help me and he comes in and i literally had to be like changing the cotton in my mouth like that but i'm like ringing people up like that was the type of shit i had to deal with i forgot about some of this stuff because i'm like oh my god such good stories oh okay guys so next week we are gonna share about our final we're gonna share about two things right yeah real estate investing yeah kind of a big dad energy so kind of starting your own brand and how to do it kind of print on demand and with no overhead and or low overhead and all sorts of things and kind of separately but what we use entrepreneurship to gain profits in the business to then invest profits and accumulate assets so that's through our investment company broco which we invest in in real estate and venture capital and so that the goal of that is we'll chat through it but to to accumulate assets to really gain the financial freedom and have your assets make your money making money for you. But that's next week. Thank you for sharing this week. That was amazing. It was fun. It was story full. And I'm, I hope you I'm guys like, gained my something anxiety. From that. Like I need a shower because I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that that's behind me. Yeah. I'm a survivor. <laughs> Anyways, hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you guys next week. And thanks, Cove, for being a trooper that whole time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Only those that can see the invisible can do the impossible. So remember, you are magnetic. This show was brought to you by Hype You Media.
the podcast network by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Check out hypeumedia.com for more info. That's H-Y-P-E-U media.com.